The wolf is a known enemy. There are those today that are passionate about bringing back the wolf. There are internet websites dedicated to bringing back the wolf. There are folks that put up signs throughout Montana and North Dakota and Washington State and no doubt probably here in Oregon somewhere about bringing back the wolf. But as a rule, the ranchers, as a rule, the shepherds are opposed to such efforts to bring back the wolf. Those who watch over livestock, whether it be cows or sheep, those that tend them, those that watch over them, those that care for them, whether they be ranchers or shepherds, they know the wolf to be a natural enemy to the animals they care for, to the flock that they shepherd. There are those in ministry that are much like the modern wolf lovers who want to bring back the wolf. There are those that seem intent on forever opening the doors of Christ's church to the wolf. In fact, biblically speaking, it's the savage wolf that comes in and devours the sheep. And then there are those that aren't intent on deliberately bringing back the wolf and opening the church doors to the wolf, but they seem to be ignorant as to the existence of wolves. They don't really exist in their mind, in their world. It's seemingly a fictitious portion of God's Word that we can afford to ignore. And then there are those that seem to love the wolf. They're enamored with the wolf. They're beguiled with the wolf. They're bewitched by the wolf because the wolf came in sheep's clothing as we have been warned. The wolf comes in sheep's clothing. The wolf seeks to find company amongst the sheep. The wolf seeks to find welcome amongst the sheep. He seeks to ingratiate himself and to build relationships with the sheep that he might devour on them. And once a wolf has had some level of success in this, it's very difficult then to get the wolf out of the flock, to get the wolf out of the sheep pen, because even sheep at times and other shepherds will cry out in defense of said wolves. How big is this wolfish problem? You find throughout the New Testament, beginning in the Gospels, warnings about Wolves. The Lord Jesus warns about wolves. The Apostle Paul warns repeatedly about wolves. The title of today's message is Don't Pet the Wolves. They're not pets. They're savage. And they bring injury and harm. As an introductory passage, please turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 25. Acts chapter 20, verse 25. This is not our main text, but it will serve to introduce the topic, it's the Apostle Paul in Acts 20 calling the elders of Ephesus to himself late in his ministry. He is about to depart, and he wants to give them one final admonition and warning before he departs. And here it is, Acts 20, 25. And indeed, now I know that you are all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves 
and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among you, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. This was a real threat, a real and present danger to the body of Christ. So real that in Paul's closing admonition, he didn't gather them together to remind them, remember, we are King James only. That wasn't the admonition. Remember, we are piano only. Him only. No. He didn't gather them together to say, remember, we meet at 10.15 on Sundays. And Wednesday night, prayer time. No. He gathered them together to warn them of the very real threat of wolves who come from without and wolves who rise up from Within, they are coming, he said. And then we find in the rest of the epistles, we find that they came. They arrived. That they sought to bring harm to Christ's church and did, to some level, have effect in bringing harm to Christ's church. And it was incumbent upon the elders in every generation to rise up to protect the flock from the wolf. A couple of key points here. He says to the elders, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. First, to yourselves. The shepherds need to take heed to themselves that they don't get caught up following wolves. We've had wolves show up here throughout my 20 years of pastoring, trying to lead me astray. Trying to take me captive that they might take you captive. One bold wolf showed up with his own book, his own theology. His own prepackaged, unique cult, unique from every other cult that's ever existed. He came up with his own thing. And he was ready to impart it to me so that I might impart it to you. But what did I say to him? And by the way, he, he wanted to take me to lunch. We went to lunch. We sat down. He got this book out. And he explained to me what the book was. And it ultimately undermined the deity of Christ, oddly enough. I called him to repentance. I rebuked him before God. I warned him not to try to lead astray any of Christ's precious sheep or under shepherds beneath Christ, that the penalty would be eternal on his soul. I called him to bend his knee to the true Christ, fully God, fully man, and to trust him in faith for salvation and to cease his heresies. Unfortunately, he did not, to my knowledge, and pressed on, and I hope he's found no success anywhere else. Uh, we found a, another wolf of sorts that came boldly sitting outside in front as you all came into the church. He had his newspaper, didn't want to talk to any of you. But he had his newspaper there. And he's reading it before church. Church starts, he comes in. About halfway through, he leaves. And then he comes back later after the service and he's got shorts on now. It's a very relaxed wolf. And he wants to meet with me. Beware of men who read papers sitting out on the bench in front of church. 
ignoring the saints who come in, leave halfway through the service, and come back in shorts. Lessons are learned. We met, and he wanted to set up his office next to mine, and he wanted to fix you all. And he was a psychologist, and he was here to fix you all with his psychological salvation and sanctification. And I asked him, because he professed to be a Christian, where, where he attends. What me- church are you a member of? And he said, no, 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 no. I have ascended. I no longer need to attend church. And I assured him what he needed to do was repent. Confess Christ as Lord. Find a local church. Get beneath the God-ordained under-shepherds who preach the word of God. And to give up his designs on lording over a church with his psychological wares, which no doubt he would have sold us at a good price. I could go on and on. My job in this realm as the Apostle Paul, or rather the Lord through the Apostle Paul is instructed, is to watch out for myself that I not be led astray. Pastor John MacArthur had a conference some years ago. My wife and children were blessed to attend, in fact, some of the rest of you were as well, called the Strange Fire Conference. And the entire conference was designed to make the church universal, globally aware of wolves in sheep's clothing, known as the Word of Faith Movement, or TBN. Those that use the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus to gain wealth constantly preaching about sowing your best seed. And that's just the beginning of their errors or abuses of God's word and God's gospel. The heresies abound in that movement. And the abuses of Christ's sheep, Christ's fold, that he purchased with his blood, abound in that movement. And so it was worthy of a whole conference. But you must know that conference had enemies. Because there are wolf lovers that love those word of faith heretics. They love those word of faith false teachers, those wolves. They love them. And they could not abide Pastor John and the other speakers exposing them for what they are. And so there was an uproar in the body of Christ globally. One man later after the conference came in protest to it and he rushed the pulpit mid-service on a Sunday morning rebuking Pastor MacArthur with a prophecy from God. So he thought. He was escorted out by security. And so the wolves will come. And we are to warn the flock. And first, the Apostle Paul warns the elders. He warns the pastors. He warns the under-shepherds beneath Christ not to be led astray from the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. So first, watch over yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Second, to all the flock. Guard yourself lest you be led astray, then guard the flock lest they be caught up by wolves because wolves seek to lead the flock astray. The flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit has called, the Holy Spirit has raised up genuine under-shepherds to protect the flock of Jesus Christ, to watch over them, oversee them, that their precious souls would not be taken captive. To shepherd, to actively shepherd them, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That is the command of God to every under-shepherd, to shepherd the church of God. It's God's church, not my church. I'm to shepherd the church of God. 
which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come to you. Now, by title, savage wolf, does that sound like a friendly dog you should pet? Does that sound like a friendly dog you should invite into your home? Does that sound like a friendly dog you should invite into the local church? It does not. It does not. It's a savage wolf. Yet when the savage wolves come, the Lord Jesus warned us they come in sheep's clothing. They don't come with their fangs barred. They don't come with their heresies right out in the open. We've had savage wolves come that seem very much to be dear and precious brothers. We've had them come and embed themselves even for up to two years. And then once they've embedded themselves, once they have our hearts, once this particular man had embedded himself and had our hearts, thinking he's a dear brother, he invited all the men of the church to come and sit down with him. And his father, who came from some distance, with a box of heresy. And the main heresy was a rejection of the deity of Jesus Christ, which is a direct denial of Christianity. A Jesus who is not God is a Jesus who cannot save. And thus, is a Christianity that is worthless. Thankfully, the men stood against this heresy, and ultimately, we met as men with this dear man and pled with him to repent. He was a wolf, trained by his wolf father, and sent out to try to convert a church. And my job as an under-shepherd is to protect the flock. No matter how much we love the man, I've got to love the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, more. And I've got to love the flock as a whole more than the individual. And sadly, we had to put him out. And he left with tears. With tears. And it was no pleasure to me or any of us to put him out. We loved him. But he was a wolf in very enduring, beguiling sheep's clothing. So I understand how men and women are beguiled by wolves because they come in very realistic sheep's clothing. And they win hearts and minds. Thus the Apostle Paul gives this instruction. Warning us of the nature of the wolf. They're savage. They're not pets. We won't hang up signs in the church, bring back the wolf. Have you hugged your wolf today? They're savage wolves. And they come in among you, not sparing the flock. Oh, this is a good wolf. Really, we've trained him to sit. Watch, he'll sit up and beg. There's no such thing as a good wolf. They're savage. They don't spare the flock. Verse 30, And from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So from without and from within... And the goal is to draw the disciples away after themselves. They speak perverse things to draw the disciples away after themselves. They speak perverse things theologically. They speak perverse things morally. Theological and moral corruption always go hand in hand. Usually one corruption is more evident than the other. Sometimes both are quite evident. There are men like Todd Bentley. He's a 
word of faith wolf, an obvious wolf. And yet we say obvious and others say, Brother Bentley, come and minister to us. And he comes and ministers to them. He abuses the word of God. He literally physically abuses the sheep of the Lord's fold. He hits them. He punches them. He kicks them in Jesus' name and the power of the so-called Holy Spirit. It's not holy at all, saints, but this is what he does in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Spirit of God to heal people. And people flock there and pay him money to get abused by him, literally. Todd Bentley. A wildly heretical and morally corrupt man, and yet his ministry is still going. And there are still wolf lovers protecting him, defending him, and crying out against those that would expose him. How dare you? That's so hateful. That's so hateful. Some years back, I had a brief interaction on Twitter with Todd Bentley, calling him to repent of these things. And he was so kind. He was so amazingly kind. He was so positive. It didn't matter what I said. didn't matter what verse I brought to bear upon him, exposing him for the savage wolf that he is. He's just, oh, thank you. I love you. I understand. You know, maybe you've misheard some things, but God bless you. That is classic wolf. They come in sheep's clothing. Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Their goal is to draw away disciples after themselves. It's all about them. See, men who are not truly Christ men, men who aren't under shepherds, aren't under the shepherd. And so they may use the shepherd's word, but they're using the shepherd's word for their own means, for their own vainglory, for their own financial gain, for the boosting of their own pride. And they always, inevitably, always come up with strange doctrines, perverse doctrines, and perverse moral practices. Again, Todd Bentley is so obvious, right? Come on up, come on up. I'm going to hit you in Jesus' name. I mean, come on, really? And yet he gets away with it. The Apostle Paul finishes this up saying, Therefore, watch. Therefore, watch. Based upon this truth, there are savage wolves. They are coming. They come from without. They come from within. And they use perverse teachings. They speak perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. Watch. Don't act as if there's no threat. Don't act as if there's not a real and present danger. Don't act as if there aren't real wolves really seeking to come in and devour the sheep of the Lord's fold, leading them astray. Watch, the Lord says through the apostle to under shepherds. Watch. And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. This was a constant warning of the apostle, day and night with tears. Watch, because anytime the Lord is doing a work, the devil's doing a counterfeit work. Watch. During the great revival here in the United States under Jonathan Edwards, a genuine work of God, a genuine grace of God was falling upon early America. A great number of men and women were coming to repentance and faith in Christ, and yet simultaneously, 
there was this other thing going on in the midst of it, this false spirituality, very much like a modern-day word of faith experience. And so throughout all ages, we are to watch. Throughout all ages, there will be wolves who come with various wolfish doctrines, whether it be Mormon or Jehovah's Witness, or like I said, that individual with this whole new book. It was his, his new version of the Pearl of Great Price. Or the Book of Mormon, another testimony. Or the Quran. Watch. Therefore, watch. And remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. Pastor John MacArthur has a lot to say about this topic of wolves and not petting wolves. He says in, in Jeremiah 23, 14, the prophet says, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem an horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them like Sodom. And so amongst the prophets of Israel, there were men committing adultery, walking in lies, strengthening the hands of evildoers, that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them like Sodom. Old Testament and new, there were wolves. Old Testament, the prophets of God, the priests of God were to protect the flock. New Testament, the pastors are. Sadly, sometimes the prophets, the priests, the pastors become aiders and abettors of the wolves as Pastor MacArthur points out here from Jeremiah 23.14. He says elsewhere, they are very dangerous. We can all become easy prey to these people, so beware, it says. Watch. They're dangerous. They pervert the mind. They poison the soul. We see the results of what they do in Second Peter. Many people follow their pernicious ways, pernicious, dangerous, destructive ways. Matthew Henry, commenting on that same passage of Peter, says Peter calls them natural brute beasts. He calls them filth spots and scabs. He calls them beguilers of unstable souls. Jude calls them brute beasts, spots or scars or scabs on your love feast and says that they are flatterers who flatter people to gain a personal advantage. Flatterers who flatter people to gain a personal advantage. They're, they're very beguiling. They're very personable. They're charming. They're winsome individuals. Why do they turn the charm up? Because when they're about to kick you in the belly in Jesus' name, they better be charming, right? Todd Bentley? Right. Pastor MacArthur says on the, on the danger of wolves in sheep's clothing, he says they are dangerous, they are clever. You'd be better off to embrace a cobra. You'd be better off to crawl in a bed with a hungry lion. You'd be better off to drink a bottle of poison than to come near a false prophet. He continues, the number one enemy of the sheep in Palestine was the wolf, a natural enemy roaming the hills and at the precise right moment as it trailed the flock coming out of its hidden place and snatching that sheep and ripping it to shreds. You have the good shepherd. He cares for his sheep. He'll give his life for his sheep. He'll do anything he has to do to keep them from the wolf. Then you have the hired laborer, the hireling. As soon as he sees the wolf, what does he do? He runs. He runs. And so we're not to be Matthew 7 like the hireling, but like the faithful under-shepherd of Acts 20, heeding the counsel of the Apostle Paul, the counsel of the Lord, to watch and protect the flock of Jesus Christ.
Don't pet the wolves. First point from Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. If you'll turn there, please. Galatians 5, verse 7. Now in the Bible, wolves, false teachers, false prophets, these are all interchangeable concepts and terms. And so these wolves, these false teachers, they hinder you from obeying God's truth. And in Galatians 5, verse 7, it says this, You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? False teachers come and hinder you from obeying God's truth. You were running well. You were running the course the Lord has set for you. You were on the narrow path of life. But then the wolf shows up and does what? What did the apostle warn us? Through speaking perverse things, he draws away the disciples after themselves. Specifically, in the context of Galatians 5, it's the Judaizers. These are the false teachers. These are the wolves being dealt with specifically in Galatians 5, verse 7. The Judaizers that say yes to Jesus, yes to his death, burial, and resurrection, yes to faith in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, but wait, you also need to be circumcised. And then... There's those dietary restrictions. And so salvation is by grace alone through faith. Oh, excuse me. Salvation is by grace and faith and works. That's the Judaizing heresy that the false teachers, the wolves of Galatia, brought into the Galatian church. Where the true gospel is grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, not of works or Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You've been saved by grace, through faith, not of works. It is a gift of God, lest man should boast. So, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Galatia, that had been bewitched, I believe it was in chapter 3, he used that term, they had become bewitched, beguiled, enamored, led astray. He says, you ran well. You were running well. You were doing so good. You received the gospel. You confessed Christ as Lord. You were walking in the narrow path. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Think about that. Who hindered you? The Judaizing teachers. The wolves from without and the wolves from within led you astray after them, away from Christ. Who hindered you from obeying the truth. You were running well. Saints, the path has been set before us. The path is well trodden. Many have gone down the path before us. Many are running down the path behind us. There's probably some running to your left and right. It's a narrow path. There aren't too many to your left and right. But this is a well-traveled path. If there's something new, it's not true. If there's a shortcut, I hope you've read Pilgrim's Progress. If there's a shortcut, or it looks like if, if, we, if we get out of the way, if we get out of the path over there, it'll be much smoother. Oh, saints, stay on the narrow path, that well-trodden path, the gospel path, the path of righteousness. First Corinthians verse 9 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? 
But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So run. Run well. Run to win. Run to the glory of God. Run on the narrow path of life. Run to get the prize, the imperishable crown. Run not with uncertainty, but according to the counsel of God's Word. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but you lay blows upon the enemy. Verse 27, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. The Apostle Paul didn't just tell the elders of Ephesus to watch over themselves to make sure they don't get led astray by wolves in sheep's clothing, by these savage wolves that would come in and rise up from within. He applies the same thing to himself. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Run and fight so as to win. You ran well. You ran well. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. So lay aside the snares, lay aside the sin that ensnares you and run with endurance the race set before you, with endurance in that narrow path of life, following the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, walking and running so as to win in the light of the word. Verse 3 of Hebrews 12, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Don't become weary and discouraged in your souls. Consider what the Lord Jesus bore on your behalf to secure your certain salvation. And don't grow weary. Oh, sure, there are wolves that would come from without and wolves that would rise up from within, wolves nipping at your heels and your own sin that would ensnare you if you would allow it but press on toward the goal for which you've been called heavenward in Christ Jesus. You ran well. What hindered you? Don't let your own sin hinder you from within. Don't let wolves who rise up from within lead you astray. Don't let those that would come from without lead you astray. Stay on the path of life. Looking to the Lord Jesus Considering him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Galatians 3, as I mentioned earlier, says this, Oh, foolish Galatians. Why are they foolish? Because they started so well. The gun went off at the race, right? The gun went off. Everyone knows what that is. You've been to a race. You run in a race. When the gun goes off, what happens if you're in the race? Your heart soars. I mean, it's, it's just pounding in your chest. And you take off like a rocket, right? And then you begin to moderate your pace a little bit and settle in. And then if it's a long race or a long run, like a marathon or something, you begin to get weary 
And maybe you want to slow down or an 800. My experience were 800 meter half marathons and marathons. Those are the races I've run. And there's a vast difference between those three. But even in the 800, in all three of those, so 800 relatively short, but it's like an all-out sprint twice around the track. And by the end of it, you so want to slow down. Your lungs are bursting. Your muscles feel like they're going to rip to shreds. You so want to slow down, but you can't because nobody else is. And you don't want to be the last guy because right there are the stands, right? And all your friends are sitting up there, and that's embarrassing, I can tell you from experience. You don't want to be the last guy. So you run hard, even though your lungs are about to explode, because you, if, you, if you're not going to get the prize, you at least don't want to get the shame. Oh, saints, run for the prize, the commendation of Christ, well done, good and faithful servant, but also run away from the shame of, of stopping short, of wandering off the track, the narrow path. What's your coach going to say to you? You just stop, <laughs> wander off, go get a lemonade. He's going to throw you off the team. Maybe you find out you were never on the team in the first place. And so, oh, foolish Galatians. That's a strong rebuke, is it not? Oh, foolish Galatians. You were running wild. What happened? Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? You started so well, the gun went off. You saw Christ in His full deity, His full humanity, His crucifixion. He bowed His head. He gave up His life for sinners. He rose again on the third day. You believed it all. You confessed it all. You started so well. What hindered you from obeying the truth? What happened? The Judaizers came from without. Some other wolf rose up from within. What happened to you? You've let someone steer you astray from the simplicity of Christ, from the doctrine of Christ, from the morality of Christ. Stand fast. Run hard toward the goal. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Obedient to the faith. See, the faith isn't, it's not just something we believed once at some point. When the gun went off, we believed the faith and now we went about our business. Now we continue to be obedient to the faith. It applies to every aspect of our life. It changes our life. And now we're in the race. Now we're on that well-worn track and we're running hard for the prize. Obedient to the faith. In Romans 6.17, it says, But God, we thank that though you were slaves of sin, were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. You were slaves of sin, and yet now you obey from the heart that doctrine to which you were delivered. The doctrine of Christ. You obey it. It changes your life. So you run hard in the narrow path. Romans 10, verse 16, it says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For, the Lord, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 16 and 17. We're not just to, Romans 10, 17, believe it, have faith. Faith comes by hearing hearing the word of God. But we're to obey it. They have not all obeyed the gospel. It changes our life. It sets us on that narrow path of doctrinal soundness 
and moral righteousness. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Consider 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough for the gun to go off and the crowd to cheer and you to get that initial rush and then you wander off someplace. A woman some years ago was in the Boston Marathon and she caught the subway and she got caught. And it was to her great shame. She is famous for catching the subway and cheating. Those saints, there are no shortcuts. We've got to run the race. We can't climb the fence. We can't go over to the the easier ground. We've got to stay the course. Obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 5.9 it says, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Having been perfected, that's Jesus. He became the author of eternal salvation. Who authored our salvation? If we're actually saved, it's Jesus. And what does the salvation that he authors look like? He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So we are beneath the good shepherd. And every under shepherd's job is to stay beneath the good shepherd and to be an under shepherd beneath the good shepherd. He doesn't get to shepherd in any way he likes. He simply is tasked by the master, the Lord Jesus, to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's follow Jesus together. Thus saith the word of the Lord. He preaches the word because the word makes sinners wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then the word makes us complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He preaches the word because it is the God-given feed, that, that beautiful green grass for the sheep of the Lord's fold. It's also the fresh water for the sheep of the Lord's fold. He preaches the word. He counsels the word. He instructs the word. At times, he corrects and rebukes with the word. All according to the word, because the word says to do that. For the blessing of the sheep and the glory of the good shepherd. And so, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, this is not a salvation of works, right? It's a salvation that works. Because Jesus has saved you by grace alone, through faith alone, in himself alone, you follow him. He's your Lord. Romans 10.9, you've confessed him as your Lord and you follow him as such. Not perfectly, mind you. We, like sheep, go astray. But the good shepherd pulls us back. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says, since, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit... In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of the corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. What truth? The truth in totality. Yes. Starting with the gun at the beginning of the race. Confession of Jesus Christ as Lord born again from above, new creature. And then you run in the path that the Lord has prescribed for you, has commanded you. 
to run upon. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, it's not something you do. It's the Spirit of God within you, compelling you, strengthening you, evidencing, 1 Peter 1.23, that you have been born again, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but through the Word of God. The Spirit of God inspired the Word of God. The Spirit of God illumines the Word of God. And the Spirit of God empowers you to run the course according to the Word of God. That's God's design for us. False teachers, wolves come in and what? Speak perverse things to lead us astray. They've got strange doctrine, strange morality, perverse doctrine, perverse morality, and they would lead you astray. Second Peter chapter 2 warns us of this explicitly. Again, chapter 1 said... They were obeying the truth through the Spirit, through the Word of God. Chapter 2, verse 1, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. False prophets, false teachers, wolves. Again, synonymous concepts, synonymous terms. And so Second Peter, like the Apostle Paul, says, Beware of false teachers. Beware of false prophets among you, among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetousness. They will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, for the destruction does not slumber. This is a fairly terrifying description. False prophets, false teachers among you. Secretly. It's clandestine. It's wolf in sheep's clothing. It's secretly bringing in destructive heresies. In many churches the word heresy has been outlawed. I mean, it's such a negative term. It's so judgmental. It's just not positive enough. It's not Pollyanna enough, right? But the Word of God warns us of these destructive heresies and the destructive heretics, these false teachers, false prophets, wolves that bring them in secretly, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Destruction is the result. And many will follow their destructive ways. Many, saints, many. When I say many, Look in the mirror spiritually in your mind. Many, don't be amongst them. Watch out for your own soul. Don't be amongst them. Don't be led astray from Christ, the doctrine of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. Stay on the narrow path and run the race set before you. Skip down to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And so God will sustain His saints ultimately. They will persevere. They will be preserved. Yet the unjust, the false teacher, the false prophet, the wolf, He will bring them under punishment for the day of judgment. Verse 10, And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. And so this is not, again, just theological, doctrinal issues. 
it's also morality. These false teachers, false prophets, these wolves bring immorality into Christ's church and lead the sheep of the Lord astray in immorality. So they walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. They despise authority. What is the ultimate authority? Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the ultimate authority of the church. It's his church that he what? Acts 20, purchased with his blood. If a so-called under-shepherd, pastor, elder, synonymous terms, aren't beneath, if they're not beneath the Lord of the church, walking in the light of his word, don't follow them. They're going to lead you astray, whether it's moral or theological. Don't follow them. They're going to speak perverse things, leading you astray from the word of God, the narrow path of life, from the good shepherd, the Lord. They are not beneath his authority and they will lead you astray from his authority. They despise authority. They walk according to the flesh. They are presumptuous. They are self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption." And will receive the wages of unrighteousness. Again, I've warned you, and hear it again. Wolves come in sheep's clothing, but they are both theologically and morally corrupt. They will receive the wages of unrighteousness. As those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are, verse 17, wells without water. Come drink, come drink, but you'll forever be thirsty. They're wells without water. They could preach for hours and hours and hours and you'd be thirsty still because they're not preaching the Word of God ultimately. Oh, they may preach some of the Word of God. They may have a chapter and verse, but they will sow into it spiritual poison. They're wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever. When they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world to the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, hear this, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. If you are unregenerate, these are shocking illustrations of the unregenerate nature. A dog returns to its own vomit. A sow 
to her wallowing in the mire. Oh, may God protect us that we would not wander from the way of truth. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Obeying it. It's not enough to know it. We must obey it. We must run in it. We must be steadfast in it by the grace of God. In Jude 3, it says this, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Certain men have crept in unnoticed who were long ago marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Creeps come creeping. Wolves creep in unnoticed. They exploit you with destructive words. They are crafty and deceptive. They adorn themselves with sheep's clothing. They're ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness. Lewdness. Moral corruption. Grace, grace, all of grace. They turn it into moral corruption, like a Tullian or a Driscoll. Jude 20 through 25 says, But you, beloved, in contrast, you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, even hating the garment defiled by the flesh. And to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And so you don't be led astray. You be steadfast. You continue in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. In contrast, go back to Jude 16. These are grumblers, complainers, walk according to their own lusts. They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. These false teachers who creep in unnoticed, creeping into the body of Christ, walking according to their own lust, mouthing great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which are spoken to you by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles who were what? Beneath the good shepherd. Stay steadfast in the scriptures. Don't be led astray by strange and perverse doctrines. Lewd behavior. Mockers come, walking according to their own ungodly lusts, Sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. But you, you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That's Jude, the message of Jude. So we have 
the Lord Jesus in Matthew 7. We have the Apostle Paul in Acts 20. We have Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2. And we have Jude all warning us of wolves coming, creeping within, sneaking within, adorning themselves in sheep's wool. that They might come in with destructive heresies, lewdness, immorality, heresies, and ravage the sheep of the Lord's fold. Don't pet wolves. Wolves hinder you from obeying God's truth. Galatians 5, 7, you ran well. You were looking so good. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Galatians 5, verse 8, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. The persuasion to disobey the truth, the persuasion to stop running well, the persuasion to go another direction, to take a shortcut. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you, says Galatians 5.8. He who called you is Jesus, your Lord. And he called you through the power of the Spirit, the same Spirit that inspired the Word of God, continues to illumine the Word of God, that you might walk in it, that you might run in it. Wolves, Persuade you to turn away from God and His grace. Wolves persuade you. Galatians 5.8, this persuasion does not come from Him who calls you. It's not from the good shepherd. It's from a false shepherd, a false teacher. It's from a wolf. He's come in. He snuck in. He came from without. He came up from within. He crept in. He's got his wool on. And he's bringing perverse doctrine to persuade you to turn away from God and His grace. They persuade you to turn from salvation authored by God to salvation authored by man. They persuade you to turn from divine sovereign grace to a system of man's works of righteousness. They persuade you to turn from salvation through faith in Christ alone to salvation through faith in Christ plus your works or the works of some priest. Or as Jude 4 warns, as Jude 4 warns, they persuade you to turn from righteousness to lewdness. Again, Galatians 5.8, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Stay in the narrow path. Stay beneath Christ your Lord. Obey the gospel. Wolves persuade you to turn away from God and His grace. In Romans 10... Verses 1 through 5, we have the good shepherd. Or excuse me, Romans 10. In John 10, verses 1 through 5, we have the good shepherd. John 10, 1 through 5. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. The sheep of the Lord's fold, regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit through the means of God's word being illumined, walk in that word behind the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. An under-shepherd's job is simply to keep giving the word out that the sheep of the Lord's fold would be able to continually hear. Preach the word is the command of God. Preach the word. An authoritative 
declaration and explanation of the word of God, that the sheep of the Lord's fold would stay behind the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, following him. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. In John 10, 22, it says, Now the feast of the dedication in Jerusalem, it was the feast of the of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I Give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Eternal security, the preservation of the saints, which leads to the perseverance of the saints. You will persevere because you are preserved by the good shepherd who called you because the father gave you to the good shepherd. The father made you a sheep. The father regenerated you. The father chose you and gave you to the good shepherd and he'll not lose one, not one. And his sheep know his voice and they follow him. And yet let me warn you, Galatians, Galatians starts with a rebuke to a church that started very well. A church that was bewitched by wolves that came into their midst with Judaizing heresies. And Peter was amongst them, bewitched. Peter, a genuine sheep of the Lord's fold, was for a season bewitched. Peter, an apostle, was for a season of his life bewitched and led astray. And the apostle Paul came, and Galatians records it. The apostle Paul came and rebuked him to his face before all. And praise God, because Peter was a sheep of the Lord's fold, genuinely saved and dwelt with the Spirit of God. Under that rebuke, he repented. Under that rebuke, he came back beneath the Lord Jesus Christ. And he finished out his course, his life, his ministry very well. It was after that that Peter wrote his epistles in which he did what? Commended the Apostle Paul and all that he had written as Holy Scripture. It was after that that Peter was crucified, we believe. That's extra-biblical history, not Scripture's revelation. But extra-biblical history indicates that Peter was crucified upside down, not counting himself worthy to die as his Lord. He finished well. So be warned. Wolves, capture even genuine sheep for a season and lead them astray and bring harm to them. Now, if you're truly Christ, you'll come back. But don't pet the wolves, dear saints. The harm that will do to you and those that you love, the division and strife, it's not worth compromising with wolves. Identify them and put them out of your life. And as an under-shepherd were to identify them and put them out of the body of Christ to protect the Lord's flock out of love of the 
good shepherd and the sheep of his fold that he purchased with his blood, Acts 20. And so, praise God, he'll not let his sheep be taken out of his hand. They will not wander. Wolves persuade you to turn away from God and His grace and His righteousness. Wolves hinder you from obeying God's truth. Galatians 5, 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Galatians 5, 8, this persuasion does not come from Him who calls you. Stay beneath the Lord Jesus Christ through the Word of God. Keep hearing His call. Keep hearing His command. Keep hearing His voice, the voice of the Good Shepherd. Next point. False teachers, wolves, influence spreads like a plague. It spreads like a plague. Final point. Galatians 5, 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little wolfly leaven, right? A little perverse doctrine, perverse morality leavens the whole lump. False teachers, wolves, influence spreads like a plague. It leavens the whole lump. As the Lord Jesus in Matthew 16, 6 says, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And then in verse 11, But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They understood that He did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Theologically speaking, the Pharisees and Sadducees came with salvation through works. 1 Corinthians 5, morally speaking, says this, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he, he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed is absent in the body, but present in the Spirit, have already judged as though I were present Him who has so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, your glorying is not good. Do you not know, hear this, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? The Lord Jesus in Matthew 16 says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, theological leaven. The Apostle Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 5, beware of the leaven of immorality. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven. 1 Corinthians 5, 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or an idolater or a reviler or drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. And so, whether they're a moral wolf or a theological wolf, they come in with perverse 
teachings seeking to lead the sheep of the Lord's fold astray from the Lord Jesus Christ. And their leaven is powerful. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Wolves' influence spreads like a plague. Put them out of the body. Warn the body about such influence. Don't pet the wolves. They have the plague. They have the mange. If you lay with a dog, you get fleas. And the fleas carry the plague, saints. Wolves' influence spreads like a deadly virus. Well, there's much more that can be said because the Word of God says much more. But that will suffice for today. May God be pleased to guard you and guard me and guard His church universal from wolves. And may God be pleased to raise up under shepherds around the world because there are wolves around the world. There have been from the beginning. Be encouraged. TBN is nothing new. It's nothing new. That's what was going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. TBN, right there in the pages of Scripture. We've been warned, now we need to act. Watch and put the wolf out for the protection of the sheep of the Lord's fold. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word. We thank you for how you have loved your church and warned your church through Paul, through Peter, through Jude, through the Lord Jesus the master of the church himself. May we heed that warning in the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.